do you have acquaintances when you're kids? <laughs> Thinking about that, like maybe everybody's a friend, maybe everybody's an acquaintance. I don't know. Hi there, I'm Greg Flynn, and this is The Bind, a podcast for men and the people that love them. It's all about helping men untangle the beliefs and behaviors that keep us stuck, stressed, and in shame. You can't do this alone, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's dive in. I am quite sure that I'm the only one who's counting, but this is the 26th episode of The Bind, and that's one of those numbers that probably doesn't matter to a lot of folks, And but what I notice about it is 26 is halfway to a year. It's it's a six-month mark, and that's kind of exciting for me. I'm kind of excited about the fact that this project has um, continued forward, and I'm you know, I think I'm still finding my way with it, but I'm enjoying it and enjoying the feedback that I get from those of you listening and the things I'm learning about myself, things I'm learning about you and about the world just from the reflections that come in. And of course, the guests that I've had. Um, it's been great. I'm super excited about it. So here we are, 26 episodes in. And I wanted to bring in something, a topic that I think is for a lot of guys, I think a lot of people in general, but I'm just going to name this for a lot of guys is can be challenging to take in. And I've had some conversations about it. I had a part of the reason it was on my mind was because of a coaching call I had earlier today. And this kind of came up in the coaching call. It's on my mind partly because of another conversation I've been in where we talked about this. And it's on my mind because of a post-it note I saw at a coffee shop on my way to here where I'm recording. I'll see if I can find a way to put that post-it note as a show art. So why is it hard to take in? And I haven't even said what it is yet. I will. But I think it's hard to take in for a number of reasons. One, because of individual unique trauma stories that we have about the ways we've learned to see ourselves because of how people treated us, how it was we needed to get love in the world. And I think it's hard to take in because of culture and the ways that we're collectively enculturated into being men. I know it, it, it probably starts earlier in a lot of ways, culturally uh, and in our trauma stories, but I know it starts in school. I know it happens in school. When, when I was in the second grade, I was put into uh, one of the kind of like quote unquote advanced reading class groups. You know, they do these like groupings and I remember, like, I think I went to school early. I can't remember if it was I went to school early or I went to school late. It was one of the two because I was in this kind of this reading group. And I don't remember if it was, you know, some schools do like the blue reading group and the red reading group and the green reading group. Some of them do like the birds and the chipmunks and the <laughs> foxes or bunnies or whatever. I don't remember exactly how we did it. But I remember being in that group and being told, you're in this group because you're a good reader. And so, okay, yeah. But then I also remember, I think it was in the third grade, taking the test, being tested for the gifted and talented program. That's what they used to call it. Gifted and talented. I know in some places they call it tag for talented and gifted. I think it's probably something that's changed at this point. I have no idea. I don't have kids, so I don't know what's going on in schools these days. 
but I was tested for this and, and I didn't make it. And I don't remember why, but I have this memory of being told that I missed it by half a point. Maybe I'm making that up. I have no idea, but, but there's something in that. Okay. So those, that's two things from my life. I think, you know, and in general, when we start getting quote unquote proper grades, meaning A's, B's, C's, that sort of thing, as opposed to the pluses and minuses or check marks I, uh, that you see in elementary school or used to anyways, elementary school report cards, um, you start getting this kind of like, what does it mean to be a good student? What does it mean to be a bad student? And the story becomes very much like if you work hard enough, you will get the grades. So, so what I'm talking about here is value, right? What I'm talking about here is where do you get your value from? And you can kind of get these stories, right? Like at some point when I was in the second grade, I was given this story of like, you're a good reader. There's kind of like, a, ooh, I'm a good reader. Other kids were given the story, you're not a good reader. And then I was kind of had the carrot of gifted and talented hanging in front of me. And the thing that really blew about that, not getting into that, was I remember the kids who did. So a couple of them were friends or like acquaintances. And I would watch them. Do you have acquaintances when you're kids? <laughs> Thinking about that, like maybe everybody's a friend. Maybe everybody's an acquaintance. I don't know. Anyways, and watching them go off on these field trips where they would do this immersive learning and being super jealous of that. So there was something that, yeah, there was something about that, the value that I took a hit on. It only grows from there, right? You know, you know, when you get into the working world, whether you're still in high school or um, after high school, are you a valuable worker? Is your work valuable? I never had a really good relationship with this whole notion. And part of that may be because of stuff that happened earlier in life. And part of it could have been, you know, my own trauma story. I don't know. I always wrestled with my value or the idea of engaging in value, um, third things, outside things for where I would find my value. But then I, I, I got a job. I got a real J-O-B post-college job. And I was a little bit of a late bloomer, so it took me a while to get to college and get through all of that. So I was in my late 20s when this all happened, and suddenly I was making more money than than I had expected to, quite honestly. And I, I had a contract because I was the job I had was union. I worked for a union, and the job I had was union, and so I had a contract. And so I knew if I kept doing, if I hit this six-month mark, I would get this much. If I hit the nine-month mark at the year, after that, it was pretty clear where I was going to go. So I took that job and suddenly had this kind of like, oh, and money the became kind of a central thing. Then after that job, I got another job, <laughs> which was a leap above, a leap by like 50% above where I was when I, when I took this other job. And that was huge. It like did something to me. It really did. Then that job, I got a raise because there was there was some politics happened at an organization that is currently in the news, but I won't say who it is, but you could probably figure it out by looking at my LinkedIn profile if you wanted. And I got a basically promotion and a raise. That was another leap. So by the time I got this raise, I was making more than three times what I was making three years earlier at this original job more money than I ever thought I would be making. And then I was fired. 
I was fired unceremoniously. Well, maybe ceremoniously because not only was I fired, but I was escorted out of the building by security. Um, That was, yeah, it was humiliating. And for all of my trying, I couldn't help but feel like that I had gone from being at the top to being at the bottom to being nothing. I had no value. And I'm not somebody who has prided himself in his career. I know a lot of guys that do. Maybe you're one of them. I went in search of this idea of value of figuring out who I am and, you know, and it became a, an ongoing thing for me, an ongoing question. So at this point, let me, let me ask you, do you experience your value in your work? Would losing your job take you out? Would it totally decentralize you, demoralize you? Maybe it's family. You know, for some people, they find their value in their home, with their kids, with their spouse, you know, um, at the, in the home, that maybe the house itself. Perhaps it's being the person that your friends come to for support and help, the person that your friends can count on. So here's another question then. Do you experience your value as being out there? Something that comes from outside into you. So this is where it can get hard to take in. For me too. (laughs) I'm not just saying that this is like for you. This is hard for me, but I believe it to be true. What if I offered you this perspective? Your value is intrinsic. Your value is intrinsic. It comes with you being alive. You have value because you exist. All that out there stuff, the the career, the family, the money, the the being a good support person, being a good person, that that's like all bonus gravy on top if you want it. But your value can't be taken. How does that land in you? What do you notice for yourself? What stories, thoughts, beliefs come up? What feelings do you notice? Go ahead and take stock. Give give yourself a moment. You can hit pause if you want. I, I think one of the things that is tricky for this that I've wrestled with and I know a lot of other folks wrestle with is this is true for everybody, I think. It doesn't matter if you are a politically neutral person or a politically radical person on either end of the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you espouse hate online. It doesn't matter if you are um, in prison for anything. There is an intrinsic value in life. I believe this to be true. This is, this is my take. And maybe what I just shared makes it even harder to take in but I think it's worth considering. And so let me just offer you a little bit more context of point of view, a little bit more of my perspective on this to sit with. You were born. Everyone that's alive was born. Doesn't matter who they are, whether they are a former president who defends a coup or a person who is unhoused and holding a sign on this corner that says anything will help or a Nobel laureate, the CEO of a corporation, the CEO of a mom and pop 
shop type small business. Doesn't matter. You were born. And you were born likely to imperfect parents, important imperfect people, in an imperfect place, in an imperfect context, during an imperfect time. And boy, if you're alive right now, were you born during an imperfect time? I would say that of the last number of couple thousand years, probably. In being born, you just showed up. <laughs> you just appeared. Now, I know like when we're on the outside and we see like even on the outside, meaning when we are not the people being born, right? We see the process, you know, woman gets pregnant, you know, person with a womb gets pregnant, I should say. Pregnancy happens, delivery, all that business we're all familiar with. We've seen the, the videos in school. <laughs> Some have seen it in person. Most of us have seen a newborn baby. So from that perspective, we see it happen. But from the perspective of you, you just showed up. Yeah, you just showed up one day. And that's my argument for your value. It's not, it's, this isn't a spiritual concept, except it totally is a spiritual concept. And we can talk more about that at some point. It's not about some kind of dogma. It's just quite simple. You showing up means that there's value. And none of us, is, none of us, I mean, like none of us created the systems that we live in. And the systems are where the judgment comes from, right? We are judged within systems. It is a system that tells us that in order to be valuable, you need to work, have a career, maybe have a family, be a parent. It is a system that tells us that you are valuable because of your race, your ethnicity, your class background, your gender. It is a system that does that. The idea of proving your value comes from systems, not from life. Life is agnostic to systems. So my argument is you're good. Your value can't be touched. That's it. That's my story. That's my story. And it's one of the guys in my, my men's group might say, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. I believe this in my heart. I don't always act on it. So part of the reason I bring this up is because there's such a story in men about if I'm not working, who am I? If I, if I can't contribute, who am I? Do, am I valuable? I know a guy, I know a, a, a friend, a good friend, who he really believes. Like, if I can't contribute here, what good am I? It's a, it, quite frankly a heartbreaking thing because what good you are is, 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 a, is an irrelevant question. If you have people you love and people who love you, and I can pretty much guarantee you if you're listening to this, you do, whether or not you can feel that, that's another story and we can talk about that later, but your, your value is unquestionable. And so if you're somebody who's needing to prove themselves, prove themselves through work or through acquiring possessions or through completely and utterly sacrificing yourself, your own wants, your own needs for the sake of, of somebody else in order to prove yourself, I'd invite you to slow down and get, get clear because it's, it's, a, it's a myth, man. It's a story. And it's one we've got we've to do something about. We've really got to do something about it. I really think that if we could actually touch into this and 
do something about this, we could actually make a change in a lot of the tr- the lot of the troubles that we're having right now. A lot of the trials and tribulations we're in. <laughs> because if we're judging ourselves in that way, how are we judging others? What are we saying about others? What do we want to be saying about others? And what do we want to say about ourselves? All right. So that's my TED Talk for the day. <laughs> Intrinsic value. That idea that you you are good. You are valuable. You don't need to prove it. Now, if you want to go and do good things and like enjoy them and be fulfilled and help people and make some money so you can establish a kind of lifestyle, awesome. That's fucking rad. I'm all about it. But let's not get confused with doing that for the good of things and doing that to try to prove something to somebody. And let's let's commit together to recognizing the good in one another. Maybe we can actually make some shifts in the world. Who knows? All right. I'm going to leave that there. If you are in the Seattle area and you want to check out my the drop-in group I do with my friend Jordan, who you could hear in um, episode five of this podcast, go and uh, go to seattlemenscircle.com and register for our group on uh, Monday. This is, I know this is going to be a last minute thing. And if you listen to this beyond Monday, the uh, 22nd, never mind. But it's always the fourth Monday of the month. And if you are interested in our six-week training that starts on May 23rd, go to my website and you should be able to find it. All right. Um, Thank you for checking out this episode. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. I see the good in you. I recognize it in you. And partly, I do that for myself because by recognizing it in you, by recognizing it in you, I'm able to see it better in myself, which is an ongoing lifelong journey. Please let me know how this lands. Greg at gregorybflynn.com is my email. Always reach if you want. Take care of yourself. And, oh, leave a review if you'd like. That would be really helpful. And let others know about the podcast. That's also helpful. And I will uh, look forward to the next time. Cheers. Cheers.